Coast of Hollywood. My name is Sonny Bunch. I'm culture editor at The Bulwark. I'm very pleased to be joined today by Megan Gans. Megan uh, is the executive producer or one of the executive producers and creators of Mythic Quest. She uh, also is an EP on Always Sunny in Philadelphia, worked on Community, one of my favorite sitcoms. She's basically involved with all of my favorite shows over the last 10 years or so. Uh, So I'm very excited to have her on the show today. Megan, how are you doing? Oh, thank you. Um, I'm doing great. Uh, Yeah, I'm doing well um, in my own house. The commute was very short to get here today, so. You know, it's funny. We're both kind of doing this remotely, still in COVID, you know, settings, COVID style, right? And and one of the things I really loved about the bonus episode before the second season of Mythic Quest starts is that you guys have more or less bypassed all of this almost, uh, almost entirely. We're back into the real world. We're back into, you know, the things, uh, how they were going, with the exception, of course, of one F. Murray Abraham, and we'll, we'll get to him in a second. But, you know, I, I really dig this creative choice, and I'm curious, you know, what you guys... Uh, how you settled on it, uh, and if there were if there were you know technical considerations as much as anything else. Yeah, well, um, so as a show uh, and as a workplace comedy, we really want people to see themselves in their workplaces in the show that we're making. Um, not just the gaming industry, but um, people in general. We want them to see our characters and see themselves and know. I, oh, I've worked for a boss like that and that sort of thing. And um, and part of the requirement to have that happen is that it has to feel like our characters exist in the same world that that the audience does. Um, so during the quarantine, um, we knew we had to rewrite the second season to take place in a world that had experienced the, the quarantine. Um, but we were in the middle of the quarantine when we were rewriting the second season and we didn't know how it was all gonna shake out. And all we could feel as, as most people felt were these really raw, feelings of just being so deeply in it and not being able to uh, understand or be able to foresee like a a time when this would be over. Um, So luckily, um, uh, with the help of Apple, we were able to shoot an episode in lockdown, um, the quarantine episode, where we got to run straight at all these issues and these emotions and things. and deal with how people transitioning to the remote workplace doesn't always go so smoothly at times, especially when you have an 80 year old uh, on your staff who maybe doesn't know how to negotiate the the Zoom of it all. Um, So we had done that episode, it was received so well by the public, which was really fantastic. Um, But in doing that, we also thought, well, I don't know that people, when we get to the other side of this, are going to want to keep hearing the word COVID over and over again. Um, So as we were rewriting the second season, we didn't want to be talking about people wearing masks all the time. We didn't want to be living in that world any longer than we were already living in it. Um, But we also knew we needed a bridge between what we gave them in the quarantine episode and what we wanted our second season to be, which was uh, in a post-COVID world where everyone is vaccinated and back to work. Um, so we came up with this idea of doing another standalone episode called Everlight uh, that kind of dealt with the the joy and release of the first day back in the office. Um, and we thought that that would provide a nice bridge for people uh, to be able to enter the second season and kind of shake off um, what we've all been through and just be able to laugh and and kind of enjoy it. Even though we made those episodes during quarantine, we, we wanted it to feel... Um, like uh, it was uh, post that time. Um, so uh, yeah, that's what we what we endeavored to do. Um, 
and I'm really excited for people to see Everlight. I hope it, that they respond to it as well as they did our quarantine special. Yeah, I mean, the reaction to that episode was great. And I, I know I loved it because it's the only it's the only quarantine episode or kind of Zoom based episode uh, from the from from the disease uh, era uh, or or really anything else. It didn't feel like it was, you know, maudlin or, you know, or claustrophobic um, or, or just silly. It felt very real. Uh, and I, I'm curious how you guys captured that feeling. I mean, I know it's uh, it's kind of a silly question, but what's your what's your art? artistic process like here is it it it's it's a hard thing to do uh, and i'm curious how you guys uh, did it um well it started with just lots of conversations um with rob and david and i about uh you know how we were feeling um having we we started shooting the second season in march we got one week into our production and then we had to shut down and we all went home and we didn't know when we would be back again um, so we were, you know, a, a good support system for each other, but also we were talking a lot about how it was affecting us emotionally, how we were dealing with it in our families. Um, we also talked to Ubisoft a lot and they told us how the video game world was adapting to this remote working and kind of the things that had been happening with them, um, be it the sort of this idea that they were kind of making a ton of money off of the pandemic not on purpose but people just play a lot of video games so how do you deal with that you know and that led to the storyline of david sort of feeling like we have to give money to charity because we're we're making so many profits um but uh the creative process was yeah a lot of conversations um things bore out of reality which i think is the the best place for things to to come from um even the scene um where Ian comes and hugs Poppy in the doorway came out of, um, at that time I was, I, I've moved since um, we, we wrote that episode, but um, at that time in my office, um, right behind me, uh, there was a doorway um, leading into my office. And as we were talking about the episode, we, we started thinking, oh, wouldn't that be cool? It's just an interesting thing and how much the Zoom screen picks up that you don't mean it to pick up. And I think everyone's had the experience of kind of having their home invaded by other people's eyes. Um, all of a sudden they're seeing inside your house, which maybe for some people they're not so comfortable. Um, you know, you definitely have people in the office that put up the virtual background all the time because they don't <laughs> want you to see what they're, what they're dealing with. And so um, we, we had this idea that like, maybe the, the um, screen captures something that it wasn't meant to see. And I actually stood in my doorway and we sort of tested it out. Like how would this look if we had this moment um, that's sort of seen in the background. So um, a lot of that came out of reality, even so much so far as the, the scene where um, Poppy is going through her coding um, and she sees messages for Ian, from Ian that uh, have been picked up. That uh, idea came from um, Rob and David and I were working in notes uh, to outline the episode and we had this shared note and I was in it one day adjusting things and all of a sudden the cursor starts moving and I see Rob typing, hi Meg, into this document because um, he saw that I was in it. And even though I would see him all the time over Zoom, there was something that felt like all of a sudden I looked over my shoulder like, oh my God, is he here? You know. Um, and so we used little details like that that were really real to our experience 
Um, and, and certainly um, for myself, um, I really connected with the emotion of Poppy in that episode. Um, the, the feeling of being wrenched away from work, which is so much of who she is and, and, and how she brings joy into her life. Um, so that experience uh, I, I definitely sympathize with. And I think a lot of people did as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, one thing uh, I really try to talk about on this show uh, is the business of making movies and TV shows. And you guys are in a very interesting situation in that regard, because like you said, you start shooting the second season and all of a sudden you have to lock down uh, and then you have to rewrite things. I mean, there's a whole there's a whole big gap there and a whole big change. Um, I, I'm curious what that was like. Uh, and, and then just, you know, I haven't really had anybody on the show to talk about what COVID protocols are like while you're shooting. I mean, I imagine it's a million times more difficult to do everything. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear about that. Uh, and, and what, you know, uh, what the fina- financial pressures are like, too, because you, you're, you're spending more time writing, you're spending more, you know, you've got tests all over the sets, you got to take them down, you got to put them back up, because again, you guys kind of stop shooting right in the middle of the season. Uh, so, you know, uh, just I'm curious, from your perspective, what being in that situation was like, uh, when you had to, to do it all over again, you know? It was really scary. It was probably similar to like what a lot of people experienced, which is we didn't know if there was going to be an end to it. When we initially shut down, we thought we might shut down for two weeks and then get back going. I think a lot of people thought that as well. Um, I I remember at the beginning of the the pandemic, somebody saying to me, this might last six weeks. And I was like, it'll never last six weeks. What are you talking about? so it was it was a massive adjustment. Um, thankfully, um, we had two big things on our side that helped us. One, we had a season under our belt. Um, so we had established a really good family um, at the show. Um, the cast and the writers and the crew had become very close. So we already had a dynamic that we knew w- that was working. Um, and then in addition, we were partnered with the biggest tech company in the world um, who could send iPhones to our houses and who could roll with these punches. Um, and so uh, I think that um, the, it, was a, it was a massive adjustment, but it was from the very beginning, everybody wanted it to happen. Um, we all missed each other so much. We all wanted to get back together and start working. Um, we had written a second season that started with our gang going to E3, which obviously could not happen. So okay. we knew there was a lot of worth, uh, work to be done um, to, to, to shift the season, a lot of rewriting and things we would need to do. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, the, the, it was helped because the only other thing to do than all that work was to sit alone and stare at the wall and not know what was going to happen to you or your friends or your family. So I just dove right into it. I had no problem waking up at 5 a.m. every day and jumping on Zoom uh, because it was the, the alternative was rough. Uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of um, obviously financial considerations that went into it. Um, I try not to get that involved with that stuff. I, I basically am here for the characters and the scripts and I, I just told them, tell me where to show up. Um, but as far as shooting the actual season during um, a pandemic, you know, I never thought that my love of comedy would lead me to a place where I would have my nose swabbed quite so much. Um, <laughs> that was a weird path uh, that I didn't yeah. see coming for me. Um, I got 60 COVID tests over the course of uh, shooting, um, which was uh, just wild. Um, but it really was a testament to how much everyone wanted to make this show, you know, that that people were showing up and doing that. And um and, uh, and yeah, there was tons of considerations, you know, part of the best part about being on set is getting to hang out 
with the other actors and kind of have this freewheeling, um, you know, discovery process where you're improving and you're figuring out little things and you have little in jokes that then find their way on the screen. And, and certainly that was all really hindered by the fact that um, actors were taken on to set only to shoot their scenes. They had a mask on, they were walked in, in front of camera, they took their mask off, they did the scene, they put it right back on and then they left, they were separated, they weren't, we weren't able to eat lunch together, all of that stuff. Um, but again, thankfully we had had a first season that had really bonded us. So we spent a lot of time on Zoom together um, and, uh, and finding those moments when we could um, keep that connection alive. Um, and I think that uh, we managed, in spite of it all, when I watched the second season, I think that we managed to capture a lot of the joy that we were feeling and to, to not capture all of the hard work that went into capturing that joy. Um, yeah. So I'm delighted for people to see it. Yeah. I mean, when you're when you're sitting there and you're rewriting with with kind of all this in mind in terms of, you know, restrictions on how many people you can have on set at any given time, does it change how you write the scenes? Does it change uh, the rhythm of the episodes? Well, one big consideration we had was with F. Murray, um, we knew that no matter how many protocols we had in place, that we just didn't feel comfortable bringing him onto a set um, with that many people. Uh, and so, um, despite how much Murray wanted to be on set, um, mm -hmm. and he really, really did, um, we decided that we would, uh, for the first half of the season, um, have CW working remotely. Uh, we felt like the audience would forgive us that, uh, because of, you know, the, sure. the, the practicality, um, of the situation that we were in, but also it was, um, something that people are dealing with in the workplace. I think coming out of the quarantine, you're gonna see a, a, a more of a hybrid work environment where some people do work remotely. Um, I think some people have found that they prefer working remotely than they do to going in. Um, so we thought that it was within the realm of the workplace that they would have this character working remotely. We also knew that in the back half of the season, we had an episode that was entirely dedicated to him that would be worth bringing him on set mm -hmm. um, and really, and, and that actually it might even be more exciting to see him in that episode because he is such a limited presence in the, in the beginning. Um, so yeah, we, we, that was probably the biggest consideration that we made. Other than that, we tried not to let um, the restrictions of COVID you know, hold us back too much. Um, maybe we thinned out the background a little bit um, and in certain um, points, but um, we really tried to, we, we, we didn't want to age the season by making it seem like it was, and every, every scene they're coming in and they're taking off a mask and that that would be so much a part of the season. So um, we really tried to move past that uh, in, in general. Um, and we're just mostly always going after what's the funniest thing in, in the scene. So this year we just try to focus on doing new pairings we hadn't seen before um, with the characters mm -hmm. and exploring the comic dynamics that we hadn't delved into in season one. Yeah, I've watched the first half or so of the season, and there's a there's a fantastic kind of new dynamic between Brad and Joe that's very good. I I haven't uh, if I have I haven't said it yet. I don't think, but everybody should be watching Mythic Quest. If if you aren't, it really is fantastic. I love it, um, and I I'm I'm very very curious. Uh, you know, so I had on the show Chris McKenna from McCu from Community. He says hi. By the way, he says hi, and uh, I, I talked to him a little bit about you. You know, making 
TV shows for a network uh, as opposed to making TV shows for cable or making TV shows for streaming. And I'm really excited to talk to you about this because, uh, you you know, you've worked on a network show. Uh, you worked on a cable cable series, uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia with F- with FX and also Apple TV Plus. Right. You've got a, you've got the streaming down, too. I mean, you've hit all the you've hit all the quadrants here. Um, I'm, I'm curious what it's like. Uh, what the vibe, how it is different, you know, being on a network uh, versus being on cable versus streaming. And the other thing I'm really interested in really is the difference between the rollout strategies of the episodes, you know, how audiences absorb them, either one a week with some gaps in between or one a week all right in a row or the big streaming, you know, kind of dump that Al- Apple TV did with the the first season and is, is not doing with the second season. Um, yeah, well, practically making them is different, um, mostly because on network shows, you typically have anywhere between 20 and 24 episodes a season. And in cable and on streaming, um, that number drops to 13 to 10 episodes. Um, so definitely uh, you you get to tell more story per episode. I find that on network shows, you sort of can't resist every once in a while doing a treading water episode that you kind of have to do that 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 doesn't move all the characters forward, but it's just like a fun little flight of fancy um, for them. Whereas in in streaming, um, for instance, in the first season of Mythic Quest, we really took Poppy's character uh, on quite a long journey um, to, to from being under the thumb of, of Ian as, as her sort of boss to being his equal. And we managed to do that in our very first season. And we're taking her uh, at quite a distance in the second season too. Um, but as, uh, but as, and also one of the practical thing is on uh, cable and in streaming, um, we usually write all of the episodes first and then we shoot all of the episodes. And what that allows for, I think, is a greater richness in being able to figure out where you're going and then go back to the beginning and lay in things um, that that uh, you you realized down down the line. So, for instance, in the first season, we had our standalone um, episode of Dark Quiet Death, and then we went back and we put little Roscoe details throughout the other episodes. Had characters holding coffee mugs and things like that. Um, that's just not something that you're typically able to do uh, on a network show because the feeling of that is because you're producing the episodes as you're writing them, and it sort of feels like the Indiana Jones boulder that's like chasing you down. <laughs> hallway and you're just yeah. trying to always stay ahead of the boulder um so so that's a major difference um as far as how the audience reacts to it um you know i think uh the the binge model of the um of the streaming services is uh, allows for a greater attention to detail in in an audience member. Um, they they typically watch things back to back, so you don't have to have a thing where you kind of remember the last episode when we did you know kind of always and and bringing in new viewers typically when people find a show on a streaming network they watch from the beginning nobody's coming halfway into uh a season and just picking Mm. it up there um so you're 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 able to expect a little bit more out of your audience i think um but this season we've made a shift um we're going to be dropping the episode week by week 
Um, and uh, I think what's cool about that is it extends the conversation that can be had about the show. Um, whereas before, in our first season, we dropped it all at once and it was great, but people binged it in, in one weekend. And then they, they talked about it for a couple weeks after that. And then that, that was the end of the episodes. Um, so this year it'll be fun to be able to see them digest each episode at a time and have the conversation not knowing where it's going to go. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, this has been one of my big pet peeves, uh, honestly, frankly, with the Netflix model of dropping everything all at once. Because, you know, s- speaking strictly from the critics' perspective, uh, the the urge to watch, you know, 12 hours of a new thing immediately every week is a little bit overwhelming. I mean, this is all about us. You know, this is what everybody has to keep in mind. It's all about the critics when we're when we're talking about this sort of thing. Uh, so, you know... What I what I really liked uh, with what Disney Plus has been doing with their shows is dropping everything, uh, you know, kind of a week at a time, letting letting the conversation unfold, and that's what what is happening this season with Mythic Quest as well. There's going to be an episode of week. Things are going to get to unfold a little bit. Um, I, I know you obviously can't go back and rewrite any of the episodes or reshoot any of the episodes now, uh, like you could have done on network TV, like you could have done on maybe Community as as that show was going on. Um, but do you do you are you are you expecting to, you know, follow along with the audience as they watch and see what is working and what isn't and maybe incorporate some of that into next season? You know, I wish I could not listen to it, but I, <laughs> I can't I can't look away. I I think it started when I was on community. We had such a relationship with the audience of that show. Um, it felt like a dialogue between us and the fans. We would find things they like, and then we would incorporate them back into the show and kind of be speaking to them um, directly. And I just never got away from it. I, I I can't help myself every time I put up an episode now. I mean, we all go into comedy because we want people to like it. Nobody goes into it because they love producing in a vacuum. You know, I want to hear people laugh and like the stuff that I've made. So the only place I can find that is the internet. Um, and, and I think that what's great, um, about this show is that for the very beginning from season one, we had people making fan art from making, um, you know, they would recut the scenes and put them with different music. And there's a whole uh, group online that's shipping Brad and David together. And <laughs> we never intended for that to happen, but I love seeing it. I love, I love seeing people, um, take things that we've started and, and run with it. Um, but ultimately our focus when we sit down and write the episodes, um, we're, we're, we really, Rob and David and I just try to make each other laugh. Um, we try not to let too much into that little triangle, uh, outside considerations. If it's something that we like and that makes us laugh, um, we, we go for it. Uh, so I think that that served us well for the first two seasons. And I expect that that's what, where we would keep going. So there are, there are a lot of Always Sunny alums on this show, which, again, is one of the reasons I love it. One of my favorite sitcoms uh, on cable or anywhere, really, was is Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And and I'm curious, uh, because there's there's definitely a very different vibe to Mythic Quest um, in the sense that it's a little bit sweeter. It's a little less, you know, I, I don't want to say sociopathic, but, you know, there's, there's, there's less... Uh, you know, edge to it, maybe, um, in terms of how the characters actually act and evolve and all that. And I'm, I'm curious how you, uh, you know, how you balance those changes with the new show. Uh, how do you keep in some of that edge without, uh, without, and bring in, you know, a, a slightly different vibe while still using a lot of the same guys? 
Well, yeah. So Sunny, what I love about it is that it's a satire and that we're not asking the audience to care about the characters. We're not even asking them to believe that these people could really exist. They're sort of, uh, we think about Sunny like a prism that you can shoot uh, modern events through and that you kind of get this explosion on the other side. I think what's so great about Sunny and why it's been my favorite show on television um, since it started airing is that sometimes you can just see the setup to an episode and you're already laughing because you have an idea of like what those characters are <laughs> going to do um, and how terrible they're going to be. Also, what's fun about being in the sunny room is that there's no idea you can pitch that everyone will say, well, that's really unlikable for these characters. We don't want to do that. You know, so, so that's really a release. And I think what's great about having the two shows, at least for me as a writer, um, is that I get that balance um, I, I do 10 episodes of one and I explore real emotions and characters and then I get to put all that down and then I get to go play with Sonny, which is so wild and crazy and, and um, you know, a totally different tone. So um, uh, uh, it was like that by design, I think. Um, certainly Rob likes to challenge himself with new and different things. I mean, even within Sonny, he's gaining 60 pounds and then and then right. losing it all and, and doing it like the guy doesn't like to do anything he's done before. So um, there was definitely a need to make Mythic Quest feel unique and different. Uh, but also it just happened with the casting. You know, we happened to cast, we have a really great cast. Um, they're people that can really bring dramatic performances as well as comedic. Um, and so we leaned into that. Um, we, we realized that we can go to those places and that, and also that the audience seems to be following us. Certainly the, the quarantine episode, um, we went to a more emotional place than I think we had ever gone on the show before. And that was a reaction to the fact that over the course of the first season, we saw that people were really connecting with the characters as people. Um, and so we knew that they would join us on that ride. Um, but it's a great balance. I'm gonna start, we're gonna start writing Sunny, I think at the end of May. And I am very excited to get back into that room and sort of um, put the cap on my heart and all my emotions and just get weird with it again. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, so I always like to ask at the end of the show if there's anything I should have asked. Uh, what should I have, What should I have asked? What am I a te terrible failure for not having asked? Uh, what uh, What do you think people should know about Mythic Quest or just the art of executive producing TV shows? Uh, I I think it's a really interesting topic. I think people are pretty pretty into it. Well, I got to direct this year, which was really exciting. I've never done that before, um, and I think that people might assume that with as much experience as I've had um, in television rooms that I couldn't wait to start directing, but actually Rob had to ask me three times. And the only reason I eventually did it was because, because we shifted all the dates for quarantine um, we lost one of our directors um, just because of scheduling. And so finally he came into my office one day and he was like, you're not getting out of it anymore. You're going to direct an episode. Um, and it was it was really terrifying to me. Um, and I don't know if this is a, a, a gendered thing, but I always feel like I have to or I have to know more than the job that in order to do like I always need to know how to do the next job up in order to do the one beneath that. Um, so I, I was always saying, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Um, and thankfully, he's just the kind of guy that just 
is fine. He's the he's the sort of dad that throws you into the pool and like yeah. you can learn to swim. Um, and so I had that experience and it was really great. And actually I have to say a real bucket list thing for me was that I've always wanted to be part. I, I love watching bloopers online of shows, especially the sunny bloopers. And if you have not taken the time to watch the sunny bloopers, yeah. I watch them probably once a month. <laughs> Um, they're so fantastic, but I've always wanted to be in a part of one of those scenes where nobody could keep it together and everybody was just losing it. And it was like, are we even going to get this take, you know? Um, and I got to do that in the episode this year, one, the one that I directed, there was a scene where David was being so funny and nobody could keep a straight face. And I had to start every, um, take by saying, okay, everyone's set and David's not funny and action. Um, and, uh, and that was a real delight. So uh, I had great. fun doing that and I hope to do it again. Great. Well, thank you very much for being on the show, Megan. Uh, everybody should watch Mythic Quest. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, if you have bought an Apple product in the recent past, you probably have a free subscription waiting for you. Just go put it in your computer or whatever. Sign up. Activate it. You'll you'll love this show. Uh, Ted Lasso is also great uh, if, you, if you want more than one show to, to, to sate your thirst. Uh, but definitely check it out. Mythic Quest Season 2. Uh, new episode is up now. New season starts in a couple weeks, uh, so uh, go check it out. We will be back next week with another episode of The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. Thank you, and we will see you then. Mm-hmm.